you know, thank you for joining us, Asma. I know that you're an executive coach in, in Florida. And what I'll be doing is I'll be dropping your LinkedIn into the description, you know, part of the podcast so people can see. But uh, for those who will be watching this before doing, clicking the links, uh, why don't you take like maybe one minute to introduce yourself, talk about what you do now, quick recap of your education and experience, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. So I'm Asma. I'm an executive leadership coach. I'm ICF certified. I received my training from Jay Shetty Certification School as well as the Coactive uh, Coaches uh, Training Institute in California. They use the Coactive model. Um, I work with executives, leaders, and professionals, and I help them overcome their challenges and achieve their goals. That's very quick. That's a great elevator pitch. Like if you you know exactly how to sell what you know everything. Um, so tell me something, right? Executive coaches means it means different things in different companies. How would you describe the the value that you offer as an executive coach to companies? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what sets me apart is um, my faith and cultural background, uh, and so that's uh, mostly why I. I think I attract, you know, South Asian Muslim clients, especially women leaders. Um, that's most often who I work with. Um, and the reason being is just that we've had, um, we share similar experiences, similar perspectives. And so I think I understand the context uh, of the sessions more so than anyone else. So I think that's mostly what sets me apart. Other than that, um, I've had a lot of experience in the nonprofit leadership space. Uh, my education, my undergrad was social science and education, so I taught for a year, so I'm familiar with the, you know, um, educational space, as well as the nonprofit space. Um, so I think, uh, you know, leadership and then being South Asian and Muslim kind of all makes me uh, a little different. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, when you layer everything, like, if you take each unique experience, it it's already amazing, but then when you layer them together, you you know you get a diverse background that's definitely an asset, and companies can use that and benefit from that. Um, mm -hmm. And I will say this with regards to education and nonprofit, I mean, there's so much passion in these places, so it's not that there's not a lot of folks working in them, but our our problem is a shortage of competent, experienced, educated folks running things in education or running things in nonprofits because everyone wants to help out. You'll never have a shortage of people helping out. Yeah. But then leading is totally different from just helping or doing. So it's it great. It, it's great that you're you're involved in that capacity. Um, I hundred percent agree with you on that. I think that um, there is, you know, clearly you have to be passionate about, you know, for, in order for you to go and serve. Yeah. You know, um, whether it's in school as a teacher or a principal or as a community leader. So the passion is definitely there to serve. Um, I agree with you, what's lacking is the leadership development, um, but the good news is it's easy to learn. You know, these are skills that you can learn, and once you learn them, you continue to practice them and hone them and develop them throughout your career. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely something worth uh, investing in, especially if you are, you know, in the educational space or in the nonprofit leadership space, for sure. So build build for us a timeline. Where and and so you know start with college, where you went to college, and then from there, the advanced degree. Because I know you have you went to a lot of amazing universities. I was blown away. So build for us a timeline from college until now. Yeah, absolutely. So I went to college uh, in the Panhandle. You know, we lived in the Panhandle for some time. 
I graduated from Florida State, uh, degree in social science and education. Uh, I taught for a year in Islamic school. Uh, I was married, I had kids, I took a long break, you know, with my educational uh, career. Um, but I was always involved in some way or another with the community. You know, I love nonprofits, I love being in the leadership space. So either I was fundraising, or I was on a board, or I was leading, or just connecting people that I knew who needed help or support. Um, and then eventually in uh, 2012, I believe, I was inspired to start in my own organization, which is News Movement. And this was an arts nonprofit based in Orlando, Florida. Um, it was a success, but then life got in the way, and I had to step away from it, and eventually I had to close it down because I couldn't sustain it. Um, following that, uh, I decided to, you know, go back to school during the pandemic. And um, following my passion and my heart, which was always, you know, in the leadership space, just wondering what I could have done different with news movement or what, you know, things to learn and grow from. I took an executive um, certificate course, which was offered during the pandemic. And the pandemic was an awesome time to go online. Yeah. You know, everything came online. Uh, you know, and, so, and at the same time, you know, there was a movement for educating women leaders. And so Yale had, was offering a brand new program, um, Executive Leadership for Women. I took that course. It was very eye-opening. And uh, once I completed that, I was like, wow, there's a lot to learn here. You know, and so then I took the Cornell Executive uh, course, Psychology of Leadership, and that was incredible as well. And around the same time, I discovered coaching. So I started off with Jay Shetty and I completed that certification, decided I needed more, more science. So I decided to go with Coactive, which is um, affiliated with Harvard's Institute of Coaching. And this was a you know, life-changing experience. It was 18 intense months. Wow. of coaching and at the end of it you know you are icf certified plus you have over 200 hours of coaching and training and that i just completed in november um and in the middle i forgot to mention i did decide to take up a master's in organizational leadership at johns hopkins and all of this mind you is online because i am a mom <laughs> so i still have two teenagers at home you know that um i'm raising so uh, it fits right into my schedule. I love the learning, you know, I love the learning aspect. I love, and this is actually a really good lesson for the people that you mentor, is the learning never ends. Yeah. You know, and investing in yourself, it never ends. And it's, it's one of the most important things you can do. And if we look at, you know, the way the world was going, um, you know, investing in yourself and really developing your expertise is the number one thing that you can do to help you stand out. You know, I mean, and you're familiar yeah. with the business world. People are getting laid off. People are getting, you know, resigning. It's, yeah. it's a constant change happening. And so it's important for someone in, in the workforce or in the job market to understand really who they are, what they stand for, and what their strengths are, yeah. and how they can leverage them. So, oh, 100%. You know, yeah. I, can, I can say your education is definitely very impressive and it's going to be inspiring. It's going to be inspiring. You're the first executive coach I've met that's actually been a woman and not just a woman, also a Muslim. So I haven't met any Muslim coaches, right? It's very male dominated here in New York, at least. All of them have been men and none of them have been Muslim. And I was very surprised just because I was like, why is this a space that we haven't really not to say dominated, but I said, why haven't I run into any executive coaches, particularly when I've been at the sea level for five years and I consult with a lot of companies. I'm like, where are the Muslim coaches at, right? Um, because, we, you know, as Muslims, our faith allows us to be more empathic 
and create more inclusive spaces for people, right? We're very mindful of that. Um, and I, you know, being first-gen American myself, that I, I feel like that also adds a layer to it where you understand the struggles other people are going to and you're more inclusive of their background. So uh, your education is definitely inspiring. I mean, you're throwing all these big names, all these universities. That's just, it definitely adds to your credibility, right? You have amazing training that way. Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, you're absolutely right. Empathy, inclusivity, these are very important, um, you know, skills and beliefs. And we can also practice these, um, you know, being more inclusive and being more empathetic. Um, but it all starts with self-awareness. Yeah. And I think that's key. And if there's one a thing that I could offer your audience, because I know your audience is a lot of college uh, grads, is, yeah. is really to lean into that. You know, the more self-aware you are, the better you know yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, you know, it's going to take you far in your career. Because I think this is what, you know, companies are looking for. It, and this is where the world is actually um, going, is towards, you know, um, working with people who are able to communicate better, to collaborate better, you know, and are more, uh, like you said, empathetic, inclusive, less reactive, and more responsive, yeah. you know, yeah. So what what is your day-to-day -day like as both a mother and a working professional executive coach? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a 40 hours a day schedule for you. It's a packed schedule, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I try to keep my office hours during the day. Um, coaching is, is different than other professions. It does... Um, I don't want to say it drains you, but it takes it takes a lot of energy. You know, it's a skill that you have to learn and develop. There's a lot of deep listening involved. You know, you you have experience with coaching, I'm sure. So I only see uh, maximum four clients a day, and so I just you know stack my my days in that sense where I have office hours, and then I have days where I'm out and about in the community. You know, working with people, um, meeting people, growing my business. And then, um, fortunately, my kids are older and more independent now. Yes. So, you know, after 4 or 5 o'clock, you know, I usually keep that time for my family. Oh, 100%. And you mentioned, you mentioned how draining it is. I, a lot of my work is interacting with new people. And I, I can say it can get draining because there's some days where you have energy to engage with new, you know, people you don't know. I, I feel like those interactions are more draining than when you're talking to an old face. You're talking to someone you already yeah. know. Yeah. So. I wouldn't say it's draining. It's extremely rewarding. It's fascinating and it's extremely rewarding, and especially when I see transformation in my clients. You know, that really, you know, um, like solidifies that whole, my career, you know, and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I, I find a lot of joy in that. You know, it's, it's, it's pure service. And um, I think the part, it, it does, though, you know, it's like a, you're, it's like an energy transference because you have like this very intimate relationship with your client and it does, you know, require a lot of energy. So I think for that reason, most coaches only see maybe three or four clients a day, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the before and after is just as important. I stay in touch with my clients. I'm always, you know, reaching out to them between sessions, offering resources, you know, additional reflection, questions, help, whatever they need. So it's... Um, it's true. It's exciting for me and rewarding as well. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's got to be validating when you leave a client in a better situation than when they came to you. Yeah.
for sure. Uh, so when you work with your clients, I mean, are you, would you say a lot of your work is regional, like sort of within Florida or within maybe those neighboring no. states or is all over the like, US? Actually, I have clients worldwide. worldwide. Um, the beauty of it for me is that, you know, because I do have a, a you know, family and, you know, extended family close by, it's flexible. So, you know, I see my clients on Zoom or over the phone and they, my clients are all over the world. You know, we just adjust time zones and we make it work. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I mean, it sounds like that's something that is uh, a little bit lifestyle friendly for anyone who, who might be interested in that sort of field. Um, let me ask you, so, so what do you, do you ever work with other executive coaches? I mean, I'm, or do you feel like you kind of own the entire experience end to end? You mean with my clients? Yeah. Like, do you ever have to collaborate with other coaches, other coaches that? Um, no, I haven't done that. I haven't um, collaborated with anyone per se on a single client. Yeah. Usually my clients, um, you know, sign up with me for three to six months or even a year. And we work together um, and helping them, you know, uh, with their goals or whatever outcomes they want to achieve. But one thing I've just started is I joined an organization in India um, by the name of Led By. Uh, it's a brilliant organization. It's only three years old. It's a nonprofit organization. And uh, the founder's goal is to help uh, Muslim women in India uh, develop the leadership skills they need to succeed in the, work, in the workforce there. Uh, apparently, only 2% of the workforce in India is Muslim. So, and I did not know that. So I'm really um, honored and excited to be working with a team of coaches in that sense, you know, to help uh, a cohort, the next cohort of 30 Muslim women professionals in India and succeed uh, in their careers. So that's one thing that I'm doing. That's, that's definitely great. I mean, good shout out to them. And, uh, you know, definitely send me like a link or something so I can put that in the description in case people want to maybe get involved, learn more about their mission. Um, that could be a def, you know great resource. Uh, so you you have your own you know I, I know you have like your own consulting company or practice that you work out of with your with your coaching. What would you say is the hardest part of I guess maybe being your own boss so to speak? Yeah, I think managing the business. I think you know you spoke to my husband. I think he would agree. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hard to do both. Uh, and what I'm discovering is that I think. Um, it's probably better to have a team behind you to deal with the marketing and everything else. Like for me, you know, it's, it's a creative endeavor. So whenever you start a, start a business, you know, there's that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect is actually being a coach. It's hard to do it all alone. Um, so for me, the challenge is in the marketing. You know, I find that very stressful. Um, yeah. But I'm finding now, and my mentors have told me from the beginning, the best thing to do is just talk to people. Once they, you're able to answer their questions, they'll have a better understanding of um, what your services are and things move forward rapidly. And that's what I'm experiencing. So that part I enjoyed. But the actual marketing aspect of it, you know, the social media and all of that, that was pretty challenging initially. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I talked to your husband, Dr. Chaudhary. I talked to a Salesforce uh, TPM this morning. Um, and you know, he has his own consulting practice and then even myself, I have agreed with both of them that marketing is the hardest thing. I think because marketing is something that when I was an individual contributor, it, you know, companies managed it. I just had to do my job like project management, product management. Um, but now, now as a consultant, yeah, marketing is huge and a surprising amount of business is done online. Like versus when I started working 10 plus years ago, 
you know, it wasn't, social media wasn't as relevant as it is today. It wasn't as important, right? And now it's like, you know, if you're an IT person, but you don't have like a LinkedIn that's very active, um, you know, it looks like a deficit. So you're like, you have to be posting nonstop. You have to have campaigns, raise awareness, posters, designs. Uh, God, yeah, it can, it can be a headache. Uh, if that was challenging for me, but I have to say AI is making things easier. You know, um, I, I'm looking forward to that. You know, even the creating the captions, you know, it, it's getting easier and all of these different platforms. I was reading something on Buffer yesterday that um, they're going to be using AI to create the captions for Instagram or whatever. So hopefully it'll get easier, you know. Um, and again, this goes back to my point. So it's all about developing your expertise. You know, so you have to really hone in on your strengths and this is for your audience and, and really develop your strengths so that you can stand out. Because eventually, you know, I mean, at least in my field, there's so many coaches now, you know, over the last few years, I'm finding that it's, um, it's really important for me to stand out, uh, to, to, you know, see what it is that's my strength and what sets me apart and to really, you know, amplify that. Do you have any any skills that you developed in college that you feel have been really a core competency in the roles that have you've had the jobs you've had after college? For example, for me, having done psychology, the ability to do research is and and, and also like write papers. You know, we write reports and stuff. I yeah. still use those writing skills even now when making a pitch, when making training manuals. So, are there any skills that? you developed in college that you found maybe public speaking or something that you're like even today i'm using them and the skills other people learn in college they do have a value it's not this you're done with college and you'll never write an essay again like there's yeah. a lot of stuff working people like us still use today yeah absolutely i think um i definitely think writing like you said is, is extremely important and communication is extremely important like you these are must i think everyone should develop um these two skills um, outside of that, I would say business skills. You know, no matter what industry you go into or what you're doing, you have to have some business acumen to help you, even if it's a side hustle, you know? So, you know, if you have time in college to learn that, I think that would be a wonderful investment for someone. Oh, 100%, 100%. Uh, so in addition to, obviously, I mean, you do a lot work-wise, right? You have, you have, a lot happening there. Then you also have your family. Uh, do you have any, you know, philanthropic endeavors in addition to the one you mentioned in India? Um, do you do any, you know, charitable activities uh, in your area? And if you do, do you find that you use skills from your day job, your work, to reinforce or add value to those nonprofit initiatives? Yeah. So right now, um, I'm only focusing on led by, um, and, and because it does use my skill set. You know, and I feel like that's um, that's definitely rewarding. You know, to use uh, what I've learned through coaching and then my own cultural experiences um, to help women in India. So right now, that's what I'm focusing on. I've done a lot of charity work in the past, um, but like you said, you know, time is limited, and you have to choose where you're going to put the work. So right now, that's where I'm focusing is, is um, you know the, the coaching that I'm doing with them. Outside of that. Um, I do try to contribute to the community that I live in uh, in any way that I can outside of you know coaching for sure. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I I'm I'm the same way. I like to I like to get involved in, in nonprofit, and I have a few nonprofit endeavors, uh, mm -hmm. and I think it's key. And it's funny because 
I've sometimes tried something out on a small scale with like with my nonprofit and then I'm able to bring that to like a larger client. So for example, if a nonprofit was like, we want to kind of build something from scratch, maybe an application for people to kind of anonymously connect with like the local imam if they have questions that they might not want their identity to be, you know, they don't want to be identified, they want an anonymous shadow application. And then I'm thinking at work, like what if when we have a town hall, we use something similar, some messaging application so that people could ask leadership questions without fear of, you know, it reflecting poorly on them, something like that. Yeah, um, so yeah that's a great idea. Yeah. For sure. And it's, it's interesting because I think we're encouraged to volunteer like at the much to do things growing up, but we don't have like ideas to contribute. We're just like folding tables, getting the food, serving, I don't know, cleaning up. Um, but it's always nice when people become professionals, they have skills and then they're, they still turn around and find a way to use those skills in a nonprofit way. Um, cause so I know you, you, you're involved, Dr. Chaudhry is involved and Alhamdulillah, everyone I've, I've actually interviewed so far, um, they've all, had a software for the communities and they've all been involved in nonprofit initiatives, um, which I think is great. It's always, it's always refreshing, right? Because it reinforces your own interest and it, it, it reminds you that you can be a working professional and you can have a family, but your community will never sort of fall by the wayside. Like you'll always find a way to, to give back. And that's, that's definitely a plus, um, from, from college until now, have you ever had a career or an opportunity where, um, you felt like, you know, there's, this is not a role that, that I'm enjoying, or was there ever an environment that kind of gave you a little bit of a culture shock and showed you what kind of environment you don't want to work in in the future? Hmm. Not everyone has one. For me, it was working in retail when I was in college to get by. I said, I will never work in retail ever again. Yeah. Hmm. It's a good one. This is sad to say, but I want to say I did work in a public school uh, at one point, and I found it very stressful, you know, um, unfortunately, and I think this is why I have so much empathy for teachers, because they have a lot on their plate. I think at that time, I also had uh, small children, yeah. and to teach in a public school, I mean, you have hundreds of kids, and not just the kids, but then you have the parents to deal with, you know, in between, um, and then come home to your own kids, I couldn't do it. Uh, I think I only lasted maybe six months, and I was like, "This is not this is not sustainable for me." Because when I come home to my kids, I am not, you know, the mom that I want to be after a long day at school. So I think early on, I decided for sure I don't think I could work in a public school. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. My um, so my my fiance is a special ed teacher. She recently had her her foot broken. Uh, unfortunately, by a spe she does special ed. So a special ed student was throwing a tantrum. He picked up a desk and, and threw it and, and broke her foot. And she's only been working as a t special ed teacher since September. So she's not even making the six-month mark that, that you made. She was already like, I'm out. She's like, I'm going to go learn project management or IT or something. She's like, I can't do this. I'm, I'm getting beat yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. It's challenging. It's challenging. And now I think times are different than when I was. Uh, in the public schools, I can imagine, especially with, you know, all the threats that they face. It's sometimes not even safe, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, have you ever had a difficult client? Have you ever had a conflict with a client where maybe their expectations didn't align with what, you, you know, your operational capabilities? And if so, how do you navigate dealing with a difficult client, but also preserving the relationship, right? How do you salvage the relationship 
yeah. um, in that situation. So I think in that sense, you know, um, you, we have the freedom, you know, to uh, say to the client that, hey, this is not working out, you know, and maybe I'm not the best fit for you, or maybe, you know, you're looking for something else. And then to either refer them, you know, or end, you know, or terminate the relationship in some way or another. It's, it's something, it's not done too often because usually there is a process very early on yeah. before you even sign the client on where you have something called like a discovery, some people call it a discovery session. Yeah. But it's the initial, you know, conversation that you have and you can uh, gauge the chemistry between the coach and the client um, to see if they're compatible. So um, that usually takes care of that. Um, Mohammed, um, there you are. Okay. Yes, yeah, no, no, your audio continued, but my camera, I guess, moved and turned off for a second. Uh, okay, okay. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. So, yeah, there are difficult clients. Usually, I try to work through, uh, you know, whatever is uh, the challenging aspect of the session. And the reason is because, you know, our brains, they're used to certain patterns. Uh, and our behavior, you know, our life is full of patterns. And it's hard to change sometimes. And many times the shift in the change is so small and it doesn't even happen during the session. It's usually between sessions where you'll see the shift, you know, the, the client will notice the shift. Yeah. Like they'll have that aha moment. Uh, sometimes it's in the session when that happens, that's amazing. But a lot of times it's when the client is, you know, at home reflecting or actually, you know, incorporating a new behavior or um, changing the behavior is when the shift happens. And so I try to work through it as much as I can. But there are times if the client's not showing up, you know, or they're just not committing, or sometimes there's other issues, you know, that we have to address. And then in that case, we do have the freedom to, you know, um, move forward with a different, you know, decision. Yeah. So what, how would someone know, right? If someone's in college right now, um, they're they're either finishing up college, like they're a senior right now, or they're an early career professional. How would they know? How could they discover if becoming an executive coach uh, is something for them? Right? Like, what? How do you take that inventory and decide if that you know if that career could could be for you? Someone in college. Some someone either finishing college or like early in their career. Someone mature mm -hmm. enough to be thinking about like where do they want to be long term. Yeah, I think it's, um, to be a coach, you know, you have to develop listening skills. So that's important. Like if you're someone who, who enjoys listening or has a knack for that, you know, um, and that's something that everyone's, it was funny when I started coaching, I never saw myself as a coach, but once I got into it, people were like, my friends and family were like, of course I see you as a coach. You've <laughs> always, you know, you've always been such a good listener. You're always so easy to talk to. And so I was surprised, you know, I was really surprised. But I guess that would be some, uh, a little bit of a, you know, um, piece of knowledge is to understand uh, yourself and see if that's something that you do easily. Yeah. You know, that if you enjoy helping people and you enjoy listening to people and you can uh, empathize. And then secondly, how curious are you? Because as you know, coaching is, is all about questions. We don't give advice. We never give any advice. We never tell you what to do. But it's, it's deep questioning. So if you have a strength 
in terms of being curious and if you have a strength uh, in listening, then I think those are two good, you know, skills that that you would need to become a coach, you know. But I would say that uh, it's important to know the context in which you're working. Yeah. So if you want to be an executive coach, then it's good that you work in a corporate environment for, for as long as you can and then move into coaching from there because it'll give you that understanding of your clients and what they're dealing with, you know, what the challenges are. Yeah. So you have, you know, to be... To be a coach, it's not just something you you decide. Like you, you had to get credentials and some certifications. What what was the process like for you to get the the, the certification that you have? Yeah. Um, so the certifications, the ones that I uh, have, it was a long journey. It's a, it's you learn more about yourself than anything else through the process, and I think that's what the hook is. You don't realize it, you know, but right away. But once you go through the process, it's, it's a lot of modules, a lot of classes, there's a lot of science. It's a combination of, you know, uh, behavior change, positive psychology, a little bit of NLP. There's like so many different things um, uh, that are involved in learning. So you have to, with Coactive, it was uh, 18 months of, of learning. We had almost, I think, six modules over three to five days. And then outside of that, you do a lot of practice. Uh, you have to take on clients, you have to coach them, your, you know, coaching sessions are recorded and you meet with supervising uh, coaches and then you have feedback on those. It's a process and then you have to take exams. So there's a there's an exam at the end of the coaching journey Then there's an exam that you have to take with the International Coaching Federation yeah. and once you, you know, uh, pass those exams, you get your credentials. Well, it yeah. definitely sounds like a very involved, arduous process with a lot of quality gates. I mean, it looks like they do ensure that whoever is obtaining these certifications is putting in the time, they have the knowledge, and uh, they, they can essentially do it well. Yeah, I have to say I'm so grateful for the experience because initially um, for, co for CTI, you would have, I would have had to flo have flown from Florida to California to take these classes three to five days at a time. And right. during COVID, they went online for the first time. And so I, I jumped on it. And <laughs> I literally, like, I, you know, usually people, what they do is they take one module and then they wait a while before they take the second module. I signed up for the whole entire program because I wasn't sure how long they're going to be online. Yeah. And, you know, me being in Florida, so I'm very grateful for the experience. I mean, it was wonderful learning. I learned so much through it. And alhamdulillah, uh, I once I had completed Coactive, I felt completely like prepared that I could coach anyone. But you know, Mohammed, it is a—it's—it's kind of—it's a craft, right? Um, and it's something that you have to practice. And the longer you do it, you know, the more experience you have, the better you are, you know, at it. So it's something that uh, it grows with you, I would say. Wow, that's that's definitely great to hear, and I appreciate you sharing that your you know the insight into the process. Um, and are there are there any other certifications that you're working towards? I mean, is there any higher yeah. you can go? Are you ever really done getting those credentials? Or there's more? yeah, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating journey. And um, once you, I remember one of my coaches uh, when I was in the program, and we were asking him questions like, well, "What do we do next? What do we do?" He's like, "You could easily spend billions of dollars in this industry because there are so many certifications that you could, you know." Um, try and get so yeah i have i'm constantly updating i'm constantly working on your different certifications i'm working on nlp and hypnosis right now i'm trying to complete that 
Um, you know, I signed up for an executive presence um, certificate through Wharton. I'm working on that. Wow. Um, and then, you know, one thing interesting that I found was that a lot of what I learned um, is so much ingrained in our own religion. And so that that has been an amazing discovery and learning for me. And so I'm really trying to understand, you know, the spiritual aspects of our religion, like Mahasabha and the you know, the Fakur, you know, contemplation and reflection and even meditation. Like this is all part of our our faith and it all goes along with what I'm learning. So fusing those two together I think is is um, the most amazing learning for me. Wow, thanks. Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, Warren is, uh, yeah, that's very, I mean, that's probably the most famous business school. So it's amazing that you're, you know, looking, looking to get credentialed by them as well. That's incredible. Uh, if someone was interested in, you know, your, your services, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? And how would they even know that I or my company is in a space or in a place where we would benefit from an executive coach, like right, right now? For sure, there's so much evidence to back it up, you know. Um, there's science and there's evidence and there's research to prove that if you, you know, in, uh, introduce coaching into the business with your clients, with your teams, it has, uh, an, you know, an impressive impact on, you know, the, your bottom line as an organization and the performance of everyone, you know, the employees. So um, you can uh, reach me through my LinkedIn. Uh, or on my website, empoweredheartcoaching.com. And if it's somebody who is looking for you know, individual coaching, I offer you know, sessions. Otherwise, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation about how we can you know, get started with an organization and, um, yeah, and, and move in that direction. That's yeah. great to hear. And I'll be dropping your LinkedIn and your website into the description so people can get in touch with you. Uh, you know, closing, closing remarks, it looks like we definitely will be you know, keep, keeping it under under an hour today. Uh, do you have any advice for people who are uh, currently in the job market and maybe don't know why they aren't as successful as they would like to be? I mean, for for, for me, what all I've all I've told them is that just be just be consistent and and be mindful. Don't burn yourself out and don't try too hard. Or, you know, if something isn't working, look at your resume, look at yourself, because then something needs to change. Don't do the same thing over and over. That's and Sandy, so is there any any pearls of wisdom that you can share with folks? Because it's a very uncertain time that's unprecedented. It's it's a very uncertain time, and I would say, you know, um, it's hard to predict what's going to happen with, with your job. It's just that's just how things are. But one thing you can do, and I think I'm, I keep saying the same thing, is like really work on yourself. Yep. You know, because uh, companies are looking for certain you know skills and certain traits in their employees. And alhamdulillah, I would say, like, you know, uh, South Asian community, the Muslim community, we're extremely competent, you know, extremely competent. Yep. But there's other areas that you can develop, you know, um, that will help you succeed in your career. And that would be, you know, your self-awareness, definitely. And, you know, coaches, everyone can't afford to hire an executive coach, yeah. but there is a plethora of information online, you know, YouTube videos, books, there's so much out there in terms of building your self-awareness, you know, build your self-management skills. How do you communicate with others, you know, find your triggers, deal with the emotions, you know, try to be less reactive, more responsive, have empathy, all of these things. 
And finally, work on your productivity skills. You know, take action. Um, I completed a course uh, and became a certified partner with Mohammed Faris uh, back in November, the Productive Muslim. And we teach these productivity masterclasses online. They are excellent and they are life changing. Um, and really help you kind of, you know, detach from you focusing on what the result is going to be and rather focus on your intention, your hard work, and dua, you know, and um, it's a different way of uh, approaching your life and your career. It's more heart centered, you know, um, but I think if you can get these three things right, and then finally, you know, it's a journey, it's a process. Life is a journey, life is a process. It's all, you know, we're complex, you know, human beings, and there's layers and levels to our, to our personalities and our nature. So just having compassion for yourself, you know, being patient, and continue to work on those three things. And I think that um, would definitely add, you know, to anybody's uh, success in their careers and in life, for sure. I wholeheartedly agree with with everything you said, and I think a lot of people will find it's because you know I can say I can say things, and other people can say things, but um, when they hear it more and more, because a lot of my guest speakers have said things very similar to what you've said, and I, I'm hoping it sinks in as more and more people say it, especially you know people with qualifications and know what they're talking about. So that definitely helps, and you know I just want to say thank you for for giving us the time today, and it's been nice speaking with you. Um, it's been Nice learning more about what you do because it's a very niche field. Yeah, you're welcome. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with you too. And I'm here. Um, if anyone needs help, you know, with anything, you they have my LinkedIn and my website. So we'll be more than happy to have a conversation. Well, <laughs> nice speaking with your sister. And inshallah, talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mohammed. Of course. Salam alaikum. Wa alaikum